are listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about long books and interviewing author Jen Lyons. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I started reading... I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, none of which I think I should share on the podcast because most of it I have not enjoyed. This is all just research stuff, It's right? research stuff, yeah. Um, but I did start reading a book for research, but I'm quite enjoying it, called The Psychopath Test, A Journey Through the Madness Industry uh, by John Ronson. Um, it's been recommended to me by several people. I, yeah, I, I feel like I remember people talking about this. Is this where a, a book tells you if you're a psychopath or not? Well, it's not like a quiz. It's not like a cosmopolitan <laughs> quiz where it's like, have you ever murdered in cold blood? How many uh, How many people would you say that you have stabbed? Is it five or more? <laughs> Ten Three or to five? Ten or higher? Can't remember. Um, yeah, no, it's, it is. It is. So this guy who's a journalist, I like it because it's really very journalistic in a lot of ways. I don't feel like... He takes a lot of sides on things. I mean, he explores some things that are kind he's of He's not like pro or anti-psychopath. <laughs> he's very psychopath neutral. Um, actually, there's a part where he's, he feels bad for the, He's like, gosh, I feel bad that these people. I mean, it is like a mental illness. It's a problem with your brain, you know, if you're a psychopath. And he says, I feel bad for them. And then the person he's interviewing is like, why? They would never feel bad for you. Which is <laughs> Boom. true. Uh, although, if you feel that way, maybe you're a psychopath. Because psych- if you do think that, because psychopaths don't. They think of all emotional, uh, they think of emotions as transactional. You mm-hmm. know, like you, I only would give you empathy if you were going to give me empathy back. Anyway, um, yeah, basically he goes through, he interviews people who research psychopaths. He interviews psychopaths and he goes through the list. There's a list of like 20 things or something where it's like no empathy. Um, mean you know. to cats. Yeah, like like uh, early violence is one. But just because you're a psychopath doesn't necessarily mean that you are like a murderer. So there is like that. No, whole you could be the it. kind of person who like leaves one piece of toilet paper left on the roll. That's very true. Actually, the truth is psychopaths are do a lot of things that cause our society to run because they're like so ambitious. And it's yeah, there's there's interesting things about it. Anyway, I've really I've enjoyed it so far. Um, yeah, I, I, if you're interested in psychopaths, I think it's definitely a book you could pick up. Uh, what are you reading? <laughs> Uh, so I am reading The Haunting of Tramcar 15 by P. Dejele Clark, and it's a Tor.com novella, and it I, I loved uh, Clark's book that came out last year, The Black God's Drums. Oh, yeah. And so this is a book. It's a novella. It's really fascinating. It's set in, like, uh, early 19th century Cairo, but it's, like, an alternate history where um, in, in Egypt, the Egyptians used jinn power in, like, like to push out the British colonizers and Cairo became like on the same level as London of like, like a modern city. But this is a world where there's, there's gin and there's magic. And uh, the main character works for this like government agency that regulates uh, alchemy and magic and supernatural beings. And they have to go investigate the haunting of a tram car because the tram cars are all run in this universe by gin like this is a very gin based magic system, which sure. I think so I think you that that's why I wanted you to read it. Oh, it's yeah. very gin based. Um, but there's something really creepy and weird and that's wrong with this haunted tram car. Ooh. And it's really amazing. It is so, so fun. It's just like such a cool world. I'm really, really enjoying it. Cool. So that's uh The Haunting of Tram Car Fifteen by P. DeJele Clark. And mine is a psychopath test by John Ronson. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Alana writes in 
This is more cute couple activities, and I'm so stoked for it. (laughs) So uh, Lana says, my fiance and I are in a long-distance relationship, and one of our close-to-weekly activities is reading a book out loud together over Skype. The way it works is we'll each get a copy of the same book and keep track of where each reading session ends. Both of us are crafters. She knits, I crochet, and cross-stitch. So we'll have a video chat date where we're all today... We'll, where we'll alternate who reads out loud and who gets to craft, usually about a chapter each. It's a great way to get through some doorstopper books as well as introducing each other to some of our favorites. Our to-read list has gotten so long now that we have a bowl of suggestions for randomly drawing from. Oh, it's super cute. And also when like the NSA is listening to your Skype calls, they're like, this is interesting. I get to actually hear a book. <laughs> they love it. So cute. Um, Lizzie writes and says, my husband and I like to tangle ourselves on the couch under a shared blanket and read our individual books. The special thing about this time is that we're totally allowed to stop and start talking about something we just read. This is like Bria's dream. I know, it really is. A lot of the time we use this time to read something the other person has recommended, especially graphic novels. It's a great way for us to share the experience. Earlier this year, we bought a house, and there's a second living room, and when we moved in, we sat in the space and asked each other what the hell we were going to do with it. A few months later, we got a giant bookcase at a yard sale down the street and couldn't get it upstairs, so it went in this room. I got to put all my books in one place, and my son started calling it the reading room. So cute. Reading reading room. And then Jen wrote in with a wheelhouse. This is maybe the most specific wheelhouse we've ever gotten. Okay, I'm excited. So Jen says, I'm really into books that give you the same excitement of fan fiction. The clearest example of this is Carry On by Rainbow Rowell because it is actually based on a fake Harry Potter book series that she wrote in her book Fangirl. Oh, I've heard. We talked about this on a different show. The takeaway feeling is having the feeling of hardcore shipping the characters, but feeling like there's no way they're actually going to get together. And then they do. I love it. It's like very specific thing to want. (laughs) So quick bookmark this week. We're very excited. I gave you uh, all a little taste of this if you're part of the Reading Glasses Facebook group. But uh, I've been talking about this sort of tangentially for a while, but I am going on book tour for Lady from the Black Lagoon. And two of the first dates are reading glasses events. So the launch party is in Los Angeles. It's at the last bookstore. It's on March 5th. And you can join me and Bria. And we are going to be talking about books and monsters and writing. And we're going to have a really, really fun time. I'm going to be doing a signing afterwards. There'll be a link in the show notes to this event because this one is ticketed. Uh, And then uh, on March 7th in San Diego at Mysterious Galaxy, we're doing a live reading glasses episode. So if you want to come hang out with me and Bria, maybe Sean, get a catch a glimpse of the elusive Sean. We're going to have a really, really good time. I'm really I'm excited to celebrate this book with all of you. I'm so grateful to all of the support that uh, the Reading Glassers have given me over the years. Um, so thank you, and we uh, hope to see you. So before we talk about long books, we're going to take a quick break. Unless you binge watch TV at least 80 hours a week, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer. Oh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the showrunner of Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and Mudbound director Dee Reese. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Cell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do binge 80 hours of TV a week. Eyeballs. So tired. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network.
This week, it's all about long books. Big, epic books. Whether they're a thousand-page fantasy book or a huge honkin' literary fiction mm-hmm. novel. I have to do, like, my morning drive-time honk when you wah, say honkin'. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you tackle a giant book? Does size matter? <laughs> We answer the age-old question. (laughs) So, and before we start, we want to say that the average book is between 250 and 400 pages. When we're talking about gigantic books, we're talking about like 500 plus page books here. Mallory, do you want to know the longest book, longest novel ever written? Do I? Yeah. Well, here's the problem. (laughs) Okay. So the longest novel can be, it's different depending on different things, right? Because are you going by book? Word? Yes. By It can be by pages because obviously font size is going to vary. Yes. Word or by by um, character, right? Oh, Cause, words for sure. Okay, but if you use like super long character, long words, but not many characters, you know what yeah. I mean? So there's a lot of, there's differing opinions about what the longest book is. Um, but the one, one okay, so I'm just going to tell you ones that I found. The Blah Story by Nigel Tom is 3,000. Three million, which is so many, 277,227 words. You know, you'd think that with a really long book, you'd want a more exciting title. The Blah Story? Come on. Get it together. Get it, get it together, Nigel. Um, uh, but Le Homme de... Oh, God. <laughs> bon Volante by Jules, Jules Romains has over 2 million um, words as well. And some people count that one as the top one. Um, it's in French, obviously. Because you can tell, because my really good French that I just spoke, <laughs> obviously. Um, but then up there, also Mission Earth, L. Ron Hubbard. That's a super long book. Um, the Guinness Book of World Records says that the the longest book is Proust's Rememberest of Things Past. Um, but according to Wikipedia, it only has 1.2 million words. So it was hard for me to actually find like definitive information about this. But we're talking millions, millions of words. And, and so I just want to say this is one weird thing that I had to get used to as an author because... For me as a reader, I always would think of pages. But yeah. when I started writing, um, it's all about the word count. So when I pitched Lady from the Black Lagoon, I had to estimate what the word count would be. Right. So I'm now I don't think about novels or books in pages anymore. I'm like, oh, it's like 100,000 words. So right. 3 million words is like thousands of pages. Or if you think about, you know, I, I read it on a Kindle and I read in a very large font and so like, like i one have letter per mine is like you know way more pages than the average book yeah. if you were adding up pages yeah it doesn't make yeah to definitely count by word or by character so bria do you like huge books will it deter you if there's if a book is like a big honking book will you be like no nah, i'm not if gonna that pick it up book comes a honking <laughs> i am not a reading <laughs> comes a honk and don't, don't, don't come. I'm not coming to reading. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, don't come knock out. I'm trying to. My, my <laughs> like really need to finish and complete things. I've lost Mallory. She's gone. She's left the building. <laughs> uh, she's gone into laugh land. Um, uh, I like. I I have I like to finish a book. I do I do. Even though like we encourage people not to. I do like to. I am like a. Oh, we don't encourage people not to. Don't blink. Don't, don't get that way through down. it and throw it in <laughs> no, the garbage. You like, don't like it. We encourage people not to, which I don't. But I do have like a completionist. I, I do want, I do like checking things off a list. Yes. You know, so a big mm-hmm. book, I go, ooh, that's going to take me a long time. I'm only going to read that book instead of three books, which is what I want to be reading. Yeah. Um, So that is hard. But, and it has to engage me really quickly. But if it does, then I love a long book. 
because I love world building and I love the in the long books tend to have a lot of world building and so yeah. I can really really dive into it but man it is hard for me to grab it it's too heavy too long. I'm just imagining when like I a see comically that pers- tiny Bria with a comically large book yeah. and you're like struggling well, to open. Well, the thing with the Kindle that really like fucks you up is that you're reading and I do percentage in the corner and I'm like, man, I've read a whole bunch of pages and it's only gone up to like 2%. Ooh. So like I know I'm going to be reading this book for like the next, you know, 45 days or something. <laughs> uh, so it, it is a deterrent, but I won't not read them. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. What about you? For me, it really depends on the genre. Uh, sometimes I get put off by like a gigantic sci-fi fantasy or horror book because I'm like, damn, I got a whole, A, I have to learn this whole world that all the world building and oh, the yeah. magic and whatever. And then I have to read like a thousand pages of it. See, but I want to learn the world. That's the difference. I want I want to be in that world. See, I'm the other way around. I'm much more likely to pick up a gigantic literary fiction book because mm. then I'm like, don't have to learn any weird names with like, you know, elves. I don't have to learn any magic. I can just fucking read it. Got it. Uh, and there are some massive books that I love. Like I've talked before about how much I love Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, which is almost a thousand pages and I inhaled it and I wanted it to be even more. Um, I also love The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. Because uh, that's the thing is like when you really love a character and the plot is solid enough, you're like, give me a million pages of that shit. Yeah. Like, What's funny is I'm more interested in a big fat book than I am a series, though, because I at least know that the book ends. Yeah, it's it's a problem for me, too, when I like uh, when I see a big fat book and I'm like, I mean, when I see a series, a series yeah. is harder for me because then I'm like, but I can't. I, there's already eight books of these. Like, I'm not going to invest in that. That's too hard. I can't start a series eight books in. Yes. Like, I, I can start a beginning of a series. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I especially because I think my problem with the with long long books versus series is that I was an Ari Salvatore fan when I was a kid mm. and those the, the Driz series by Ari Salvatore I think is still going and it's like 30 books long wow. and all the characters kept coming back to life <laughs> after they got killed <laughs> so I was just like so done with series so I was on a TV show like that once yeah <laughs> the characters kept coming back yeah. to life so I just that's like one of my least favorite tropes by the way so uh, now if I like I'm way more likely to be like you know what that book is 2,000 pages long but at least I could see the end of it and I'll yeah. pick it up yeah so what's the best way to read a gigantic book? Oh, man. I feel like this is the biggest argument for a Kindle. Because <laughs> guess what? I am not for grab your e-reader because it doesn't you can put a thousand pages on it or 300 pages on it. And it weighs the same. Weighs Magic. the same. You can put lots of thousand. I can put 10,000 page books on there and never look at them because I'm too intimidated by them. <laughs> what about you? You must have some sort of a, uh, you must have a system for I a have long all, book. so many systems. Uh, yeah, I actually, long books are my favorite things for a staycation. Uh, I never want to bring a huge book on a vacation because what if I start it? And <laughs> like I, you said, vacation, like people may not know what that is. Like a vacation? Heard of it? As opposed to a staycation. <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> You know, when you leave the house, like some people that aren't me do. Uh, what is this vacation that you speak of? This weird, crazy word that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, what if like my worst nightmare is I'm like, yeah, I pack this gigantic honking book, get on the plane and you open it up and you fucking hate it yeah so uh and they're not great for purse books or car books so i like starting a huge book if i've got some time off work at home so it's like the perfect weekend book uh you don't have to worry about carrying it anywhere and you can just like hunker down with blankets and sandwiches and immerse yourself in it that's when i'm like okay cool give me give me everything give me all the maps give me the world building give me the crazy the the family tree that i need to look at i need i do i do love a map in a book show me a map in the back of a book you're like i'm about to go on a journey you know, you one argument for carrying around your long books is if you're working on your arm strength. 
which I am actually. Maybe if you're like, if you're like, I'm trying to lift more, and I'm just, I know, I'm not saying shoulder strength because I feel like that's how you throw a shoulder out. Yeah. It's carrying too heavy of a purse on one side. I have done that. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Um, but if you're just working on your arm strength, you carry around your two giant books. Like, like oh, how's that book? You're like, I don't, I have no idea, but it's really heavy. <laughs> Can someone please draw fan art of me working out with really two heavy books? books? Yeah. That's all I really want. The one thing I find that's weird is that um, a lot of nonfiction books I pick up tend to be longer than my, like, little torn novellas that I enjoy reading, like the one you're reading right now. Uh, but I love them a lot. But it means I'm way less likely to finish them. Also because it's nonfiction. Because nonfiction, I feel like a lot of times I go through and I read, like, the first half of the book and then it just starts repeating itself. I'm like, yeah, I already know all this. You already told me about this part of... <laughs> I was about to refer to one specifically that I didn't finish recently, but I won't. Um, but I already, I already know all of this, like... You already got that information out there. I don't need it a million ways. I feel like a lot of nonfiction books are long needlessly. Is that shitty? No. I feel like just a lot of times they just get so repetitive where I'm like, I know. You already talked about this. Like, I don't need to hear about it 30 <laughs> different ways. You know? Like, I, I got it. I got it. So I end up reading, picking up more long nonfiction books, but then probably not finishing them. Yeah, I will say I'm much more likely to quit a long book. It's I feel like it's like getting in a relationship. Go on. Things need to be absolutely amazing for me to get in that long commitment. So that, that said, that normally means that if I finished a fucking huge book, that it's amazing. I think we have to talk about what is that thing where you have, um, you think because you're invested in something, it's worth more? Sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. So it's a little bit of the sunk. I feel like every time I talk about it, I go, what is that called? And then you tell me and then we move on. <laughs> um, uh, I think the sunk cost fallacy, it's a little bit like that because I think people probably start reading a long book. Yeah. And then they're like, I got to finish it. I'm already halfway through, which happens to me. But I've gotten to where I've, I'll just quit a, a long book, especially a nonfiction one, because I'm like, I got the point that I was trying to get out of yeah. this. But again, like if I love a book, um, if I, like if a book is a huge book and it's really, really fantastic, like I'm in forever. Like that's the, it's like the Lonesome Dove thing mm. where I'm like, all right, cool. Give me 2000 more pages of this. I love these characters. I love this writing. I'm here for for good. Yeah. Uh, so you can send your thoughts on long books to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Jen Lyons, we're going to take a quick break. <sighs> There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the words word bi- for biography biology. and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! So here we are with author Jen Lyons. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. What are you reading right now? Um, well, I, I'm I'm going to be uh, a little bit of a tease because I'm reading two arcs that aren't currently available to the public, uh, which is Gideon the Ninth by <gasps> Tamsin Muir. So jealous. And as you should be, because that is the most amazing book. 
um, and Docile by Kellen Spara, um, cool. which is also amazing in a different way. Awesome. So speaking of books, can you tell us about your new book, The Ruin of Kings? Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's about a, uh, you know, a young waif uh, adopted and impoverished who uh, daydreams that he'll find out that he is a long lost prince, as we all do, <laughs> and that it will solve all of his problems, except it happens. And when it does, it's horrible because it turns out that rich and nice aren't synonyms. And his new family is terrible. So now he has a whole new list of problems and they are much more dangerous problems than what he previously had. So uh, he finds himself caught up in uh, schemes and machinations uh, that include some extraordinarily evil and powerful beings. Uh, and, uh, and it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is this is a massive epic fantasy book, and we're doing an episode. Uh, this whole episode is just about really long, big books. Um, what was the writing process for something like this like? Well, excuse me for a second. That is my cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're totally um, leaving that in. I have a lot of cats. So <laughs> He, he sometimes complains if he feels he's not being paid proper attention to. Um, so my writing process, I, which I know everyone has a different process, I typically create a rough outline of the major beats that I would like to see uh, in the story, You know, just a sense of where I want the story to go um, and what each scene has to include as far as giving over information um, so that I know what the goal is before I sit down to write. Uh, then it's just kind of a matter of blazing through as quickly as I can to get everything down on the page. Um, I'm one of those writers who has to write faster than my goblins. Um, <laughs> otherwise they, they chase me and they catch up and it's, it's not good. So the, you have created this incredible world in Ruin of Kings. How do you keep track of everybody and everything? Oh, I have a wiki. Oh, <laughs> tell, tell us about that. Um, yeah, no, I actually even wrote an article over at Tor.com about it because I didn't realize that that wasn't like how everyone did it. Uh, and it turns out, no, it's not how everyone does it. Um, yeah, no, I have a, uh, it's not a public facing wiki. Uh, it's just a, a private wiki that I have on my own server space. And uh, it, I have it because it allows me to check my notes and my information or jot things down no matter where I am. So if I'm on the road or at an airport, anything like that, I can still um, write down ideas or check on things. That is awesome. That is amazing. <laughs> that is fantastic. So are you all like you wrote this incredible epic fantasy. Are you also an epic fantasy reader? Oh, yes. I, I'm a huge fantasy nerd. I, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd as well. But um, yeah, no, I definitely read as much as I can possibly get my hands on. Um, and my time and schedule will allow. It's been busy lately. Um, so what are your favorite ones? Can you tell us about some? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I, I think I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Roger Zelazny's Chronicles of Amber, um, which, you know, I've loved since I was young. Um, let's see, what else? I'm a huge fan of uh, anything by N.K. Jemisin. Pretty much fangirl on her constantly. Um, I love Scott Lynch's Gentleman Bastards series. Um, 
Robin Hobbs Farseer series, of course, Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, I'm also a big fan of Steven Erickson's Malazan Books of the Fallen, which are really big fat fantasies. Um, there's a lot of fantastic books out there, so I love them all. <laughs> so can you tell us about your reading life? Do you have any reading quirks you want to share? Um, I do tend to be reading multiple books at the same time, which is probably not, you know, um, somehow I keep it all straight in my head, but I, I do bounce around a lot between books. Um, you know, and then there's the books that are by my bedside and the books that are by my computer and the books that are on my phone. So, um, there's a lot of books that are read in specific places. I like that. Um, so can you tell us what your reader wheelhouse is, which is basically we define as like anything that you, you see a book, it has this thing in it. So you are definitely going to pick it up and read it. I would be remiss if I didn't say that, uh, that anything with a dragon on it, I'm completely there for. Um, I also, uh, love books with, uh, really strong world building and, uh, intricate magic systems. Um, I'm a complete sucker for dark family secrets. And, uh, I think maybe most of all, a really good villain. Um, nice. I, not just good villains, but I also am really, really keen for good anti-villains. Um, and by that, I mean the people who are very convinced that they're the heroes of the story. Um, you know, that they're doing the right thing that, um, that they, you know, maybe they're misunderstood, but that they really, um, have everybody's, um, you know, best interests at heart. Uh, and because those guys, those guys are fun. That's awesome. So Jen, where can we find you online and where can we find Ruin of Kings? Well, um, you can find me, uh, on Twitter at, uh, Jen Lyons author. Uh, on Instagram at Gen Lions and Tigers, um, I have a uh, periodically updated um, blog at www.genlions.com, and um, I, you know, I think you're going to be able to find Ruin of, the Ruin of Kings all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everything is coming out uh, next, uh, the fifth, Feb- uh, February fifth. Um, including audiobook, hardcover, and then I believe um, all of those books are, the book is releasing in the UK on the 7th. Awesome. Yay. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Allie writes in, about two years ago, my brother was going through his books and let me go through the ones he was going to get rid of before he wanted to sell them. Now I'm going through my books and I have changed my mind about a lot of those books. I haven't read them and I don't see myself reading them ever. I feel slightly bad about making money off the books I got from him when he was going to sell them. Should I give him a cut of what I get for my books? Bria, what should Allie do? Nah. <laughs> you don't make that much money selling books. Yeah, that's you true. know? Okay, if one if you're looking through and one is like a first edition rare copy, you're gonna make a million dollars. Yes, yes, you need to share that money or give him that money. That was his fucking book. He paid for that book. Yes. You know, like that's his. Like it's kind of like you remember 
Monopoly, McDonald's Monopoly. Yes. I, I don't know if they still do this. But, I, I have no but idea. But, like, a lot of times you had a board and you're like, if I just had this one piece, but if someone gives you that one piece, you have to share with them what you won, even though you collected all the other ones because you needed that one piece. Yes. You know what I mean? That's uh-huh. a horrible analogy, but you know no, what I'm no, talking it about? To- it makes sense. So, look, let's say you're making, like, 30 bucks. That would be a ton of money to make from selling books. Like, that's a lot. Like, yeah. you, I sold some recently, and I did not make that much money, and I sold a million books. <laughs> <laughs> I got less than a cent per book. Wow. <laughs> not really. I'm just kidding. I don't know how much I made. Uh, but I didn't make that much money. But, like, buy him a coffee. Don't confess why. Like, just give. Just go sell those books. Uh, you're just making it weird if you're like, I'm going to give you—I I sold— Three dollars of books, and here's your dollar fifty. Like, don't just yeah. don't bother. Like, because then, like, your time going to sell them is worth some money. So, like, I don't know. Like, figuring all that out yeah. is like, don't. This is not your responsibility, and you're not going to make that much money selling the books. Yeah, but, I I crowdsource this question, and the unanimous vote amongst all my friends was sell those fucking books. <laughs> uh, my friend Sarah brought up a really good point. If you had read those books, would you feel the same way about oh, selling good point, them? Good point. Good point. Because I bet actually she would feel fine about selling yep. them. So if you feel bad, use some of the money to buy him a book he'd like or a present or a coffee or something. I guarantee you that he's forgotten about them. I don't think your brother's sitting there going, well... 15 days ago, you mm-hmm. gave, like, I gave you this, like, no, he's not, I don't, th- no, he's probably already forgotten. And he's probably glad that his bookshelves are cleared off, which is always how I feel when I give stuff away where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that yeah. I have more room in here. Yes. You know, like, he's happy that you took that, you did him a favor by taking some books. Yeah, I don't think he wants you to give those books back to him. No book, no book guilt, just sell them guilt-free. You're totally in the clear, Allie. It's a good question, though. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Link is in the show notes. You can show off your love of reading and support the show at the same time. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. And if you want to follow along on our 2019 reader challenge, you can check out the hashtag, hashtag readingglassespodcast. Also, yeah, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, the link is in the show notes. Uh, Thanks for listening. And and thanks thanks for for reading. reading. I couldn't wait to return to Wittershins. Going by his remark last night, Griffin didn't feel the same. Almost pleasant. Those were the words he'd used. Of course, he'd never hesitated to slander Wittershins in my hearing, always going on about how in other cities one didn't usually hear muffled chanting after dark, or that cloaked figures would attract suspicion. He'd even complained of the carols our first Christmas together, claiming blood on the altar wasn't a staple of the holiday season. And yes, there was a bit more grave robbing than could be accounted for, especially in a town with no medical school. Yes, it was inadvisable to go too far into the local forest if one didn't wish to vanish without a trace. True, it was founded by sorcerers and inhabited by Katoi hybrids and ghoul hybrids, and enough people went mad we needed our own insane asylum before I destroyed it, and... Oh, God... It was a horrible murder town, wasn't it? Excerpt from Fallow by Jordan L. Hawk. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.